Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22, and I'd like to read verses 14 and 15. As we continue this study. Not long ago, I went to the St. Vincent de Paul, and I didn't realize when I picked up a couple of Bibles that they were free. And one of them is about this big with microscopic print on them. And I, I have it in my car pocket there. And, and I can read three pages in that and only have read and read 17 in this one. <laughs> Revelation chapter 22, verse 14 and 15. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Verse 14 is the effects in here. Verse 15 is what we deal with out here. Now, keep your finger there and turn with me way over to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11. The Lord shares with Israel some of the things. The contrast between Egypt and the land where they're going. There is a contrast here physically, but there is much more a contrast spiritually. There is a contrast between Egypt spiritually and a, con- and a contrast between where they're going, Israel, spiritually. And it's brought out here in a physical sense. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 11, verse 10. For the land whither thou goest in to possess it, is not as the land of Egypt. Now there's some differences. And particularly when the Lord saves his people and brings them out of Egypt, there's such a difference between Egypt and where he puts us spiritually. Now we may live in the same house, be in the same state, same country, have the same neighbors, but there's going to be a difference spiritually when God saves his people. Whether thou goest to possess it is not like, not as the land of Egypt from whence ye are come out, where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. Now whether it's talking about using that word foot, whether you're carrying the water in a bucket or whether you're using a footwheel, it makes no difference. You are responsible to get the watering done. That's what happened in Egypt. And that's where we are if we're in Egypt. We're responsible for getting the watering done. And the work is never done. Those plants continue to need water. And we're carrying water in a bucket or we're using a water wheel continuously. And what that's telling us is in religion, we work our fool heads off and never get the job completed. We're still carrying water and we never get it done. 
Now in the next verse it says, But the land where you go to possess it is the land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. Now it's much easier to get the crops irrigated with rain from heaven. Now we have nothing we can do to produce it. We pray about it. We pray for rain. We pray not to rain. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of people on the eastern seaboard who are saying, God, would you just push that out just a little bit? <laughs> and it went right where he wanted it. He's the controller over those storms. But it came out of, out of heaven. It, came, it was rain from heaven. Now we may set up our sprinkler system and we may have our drip system in our gardens, but we still are going to do it. But God, when he sends the rain, it's from him. And that's what he's talking about. It's either works or grace. That's all there ever is. Doesn't matter where you are, what country you're in, what religion you're affiliated with, it's either going to be works or grace. And grace is the only one that has any effect with God because it's a gift of His. Now it goes on to tell us, A land, verse 12, A land which the Lord thy God careth for you, the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. That's kind of like saying, I am the first and the last. <laughs> from January 1st to December 31st, I'm with you. Got my eyes on you. So here he gives us an illustration. We're either going to work, 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 and never get the job done, or we'll trust him and he'll send the rain. In the land of Egypt, it's foot. In that land I place you, it's water from heaven. All right, now going back over to the book of Revelation, I must ask myself this question. When we deal with verse 14, I must ask myself this question. Because I've traveled this far through the Bible. All of a sudden, is God going to tell us that I'm going to have to keep His commandments, keep a commandment in order to see the heaven, to see the city, to see the Lord. Because it tells us in that verse of Scripture, they, these, blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and the tree of life is Christ. Have right to come to Christ and may enter in through the gates into the city. May be brought into that assembly of the saints that worship God, worship the Lord, bow down before Him, do, to have the right to do this. Now, am I going to travel from Genesis to here and have to deal with keeping His commandments? Well, that's a key for me. I want to find out what that means. I want to find out what that means, what it is to keep His commandments. Do we have access to Christ? And are we brought into the church, His church, by grace or by works? That's the question I have to ask myself. And we find that we're not going to find anything different here. We're just going to have to, we're going to look at this and we'll find out God has some commandments for His people. But He has the answer for the commandments. All right. Now, Drop over to the book of Ecclesiastes for two verses, would you? Ecclesiastes. Book of Ecclesiastes. Again, Solomon was used to be a secretary. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 13, he left this. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 13. 
If we take the stand that keeping the commandments make us acceptable to enter in, we do not believe in grace. Works are works and grace is grace. And the two will not meet. All right. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 13. Consider the work of God. For who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? Who can make something straight that's been made crooked? Only God can do that. All right. And in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 17. Chapter 8 verse 17. Then I beheld all the work of God that a man cannot find out of the work that is done under the sun. Because though a man labor to seek it out, yet he shall not find it. Yea, Farther, though a wise man think to know it, yet shall he not be able to find it. We're uh, without the grace of God, we're just stuck. We're going to be running our water wheel, we're going to be carrying our water in a bucket, and we'll not be having the rain of heaven pour out on us, the grace of God. So here in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says there's some things that are just impossible if God doesn't take care of. All right? If we take the stand, uh, keeping the commandments, make us acceptable, we're sitting on works and not on grace. Now the first phrase of this verse must be in agreement with the last two phrases of this. And the last two phrases of this verse of scripture say they have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of the city. It is often found in scriptures that people are asking, what must I do? You know, I used to use that verse of scripture over there in the book of Acts, the Philippian jailer, Acts chapter 16. It says, he said, what must I do to be saved? And I would just go ahead and, and give the answer to that. He is asking a human question, and Paul did not give him a human answer. Everybody is interested in what they can do. That's just a, a core of our human being nature, is what can we do? And the answer is, we can't do anything. Turn over there, if you would, to the book of Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 and verse 28. As we think about this, uh, doing the commandment of the Lord, we're going to see that the commandment of the Lord is precious in the eyes of the Lord, but it's something we cannot accomplish. We depend upon the Lord to take care of that. In Acts chapter 16, we, we find that the Paul and Barnabas are down here in Philippi, and later a letter is written to them, and they're in prison, and uh, they're singing and praising God with their hands in the stocks after they've been beaten, and uh, the Lord sends an earthquake and opens everything up and opens the doors up and opens the stocks up, and this, this soldier, the centurion, comes in, and he is about to commit suicide over this whole issue. And in Acts chapter 16, verse 28, the keeper of the prison, Paul says, Paul cried unto him with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Well, no longer do I answer that question like I used to. (laughs) 
They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. They had a preaching service going on here. It wasn't just a simple answer to this human question that they're dealing with. The human question, what must I do? What must I do? Well, the answer is, we cannot do anything. We cannot do anything to get this grace. That's the very definition of grace. It's a gift that God gives. In the book of John chapter 3, Nicodemus shared this with us. Going back to the book of John chapter 3, Nicodemus said, How in the world can I be born again? And then he asked this question. At least he's honest about it. He says, Can I enter my mother's womb the second time? And he realizes the impossibility of that situation. But he asks that question of the Lord. The Lord said, You must be born again. And his concept of this is really tweaked because he's looking at it from a human standpoint. He's looking from at a fleshly standpoint. He's looking at it this level. God's, the Lord Jesus is sharing us from heaven's level. He's looking at it from this level. And he said there in John chapter 3 and verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. This is a birth that comes from above, and it's a spiritual birth. And he had to be shown that this thought about that he had come to the conclusion of was in error. There's only one way that this is ever going to be accomplished, and that is the Lord doing it. Now turn with me just a little further in the book of John, John chapter 6. John chapter 6, the Lord Jesus deals with this question in depth about keeping the commandment of the Lord. What is it to keep the commandment of the Lord? What is it to do the work of God? We, uh, by nature, if, it, if we get just bugged a little bit, what can I do? What can I do? If we just get a little, little touch, what can I do? What can I, the, the, uh, the Philippian jailer, what can I do? What must I do to be saved? What can I do? And here in the book of John, chapter 6, the Lord Jesus is dealing with a great uh, group of people, a lot of people. And uh, there's over 5,000 because he's fed that many. And he's dealing with this question that comes up. John chapter 6, verse 25. John chapter 6 and verse 25. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? And Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth forever, uh, endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? The Philippian jailer put it just a little bit different. Nicodemus put it a little bit different, but it's all the same question. What can I do? What's up to me? 
How am I going to get this done? What shall we do that we might do the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God. You want to know what it is? This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. That's the work of God. That's the commandment of God. That's the only way we'll have right to the tree of life and have right to the gates of the city is believe on him that he has sent. Now, this is an impossibility. Jump way ahead in verse 63 of that chapter. It is the spirit that quickeneth. It's the spirit that gives life. It's the spirit that gives us belief. The spirit, it is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. Now between that last verse we read over here, verse 29, and verse 63, the Lord Jesus shares with this whole group of people what it is to have belief in the Lord Jesus. What it is to do the work of God. This is the revelation that God gave to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. He enumerates it. He lists it and says, how do you fall to this pattern? Well, three times they say in there, I don't think I agree with that. Three times they say that because they do not believe. Now, if you believe, you will not be saying, I don't believe that. (laughs) You will agree with what the Lord has to say about himself and about his mission. You will agree with what the gospel has to say. You will agree that this is the command. The commandment of the Lord is to believe on the, the message about Christ. That is it. And if you do, if you've been given the grace to do that, you will agree with what he has to say about himself. And if you, like these others down through here, and three times comments are made by these people, I don't think I agree with that. And lastly, they say, that's a hard saying. And they turned around and it says, many of his disciples walked with him no more. Now, they were disciples in name only. They were disciples because they got bread. That's all. They were followers for a season. But when they saw what it was for them to believe on the Lord Jesus, then they found out, no, I don't agree with that. And they went somewhere else. Well, the Lord told them, a bunch of unbelievers. All right, let's just go down here. John, um, verse 29, verse 29 of this. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. If you say you know the Father, then his command is, Believe on him whom he sent. Believe on me. That's what it is. The rest of the chapter is dedicated to describing this statement. Coming to verse 63, the flesh profiteth nothing. Verse 35, do you believe, is it part of your makeup now? Do you hold fast to this? Do you have this as part of your being every day? This is what it is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It tells us there in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Do you believe that? That's what he's asking them. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. This is 
what he's describing by that statement. Tell us the works of God. What can I do? And he said, this is the work of God that you believe on him that he hath sent. And this is what you have to believe. Now, it's not something you have to think about. I'll never forget asking a principal one time about, you taught school. Yes, I did. Did you enjoy your teaching assignment? Pregnant pause. I says, you've told too much already. You didn't enjoy it. Now, if you have to stop and think about whether these things are really true or not, is Jesus Christ the bread of life? Yes, he is to every blood-bought child of God. He is their bread. He is their spiritual food. What he has accomplished is for their benefit, and they trust him with it. He has ground the grain, and he has made the bread, and he is that. And he is delightful. He goes on to tell us there in verse 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come unto me. The Lord's people are eternally chosen. Do you believe that? That's what he's asking his crowd. You've asked me what the works are. I've told you what the works of God are. Now how do you match up? All that the Father, the Lord's people are eternally chosen in him. He is the elect stone. As he tells all that the Father giveth me shall come unto me, and him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. Well, I can just see some of those in the crowd saying, hmm, this is God for bad to worse already. We asked the question, and now he's answering us, and he is answering us with authority, not as one of the scribes. In verse 39, it tells us here, And this is the Father's will which he has sent me, that all which he hath given me I should lose nothing but shall... Raise it up again the last day. <clears throat> do you believe that he alone keeps his own? How much do you have to do to make God keep you? <laughs> he said nothing. Your keeping and being kept is not kept up to you because if it was. Now, one of those statements that Nancy shared with me as she's reading Pink's book, write the introduction. Is God influenced by our works? <laughs> Absolutely not. Because He is immovable and unchangeable. And from eternity He has loved His people. And He is not influenced one whit. His position does not change because of His people's positive or negative. He loves them with an everlasting love from eternity to eternity. And he will not be changed by us. And we contribute nothing to him. But my goodness, we depend on him, don't we? All right. There it says in verse 40. Verse 40, do you believe this? And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. He alone has everlasting life, and he alone is the, has the ability to raise us up in the last day and make us presentable. Do you believe this? Boy, oh boy, they're beginning to back off a little bit now. 
We ask the question, what will we do? What shall we do that we might do the works of God? And he said, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. And this is the list. And this is only a partial list, but it was enough for all of them to back off, except his 12 disciples, 11. He kept one of them there because he... It was God's purpose. Judas betray him. He's going to drag him along till the end. But everybody else left. Can you imagine a church split like that? <laughs> really, 11 are left. 5,000 men leave. Goes on to tell us here, verse 45. Verse 45, it says, It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. All our spiritual education is in God, and the graduation exercise, we're brought to Christ. He teaches every one of his children. We don't dig it up. He teaches us. Now, God in a miraculous way. And I wish I understood this better, and I never will. But God has absolutely decreed that we must hear the gospel. It's, it's a decree. God's decree. We must hear the gospel. And He uses that in a miraculous way. He doesn't produce the new birth because of it, but it's necessary before he gives the new birth that we hear the gospel. It is there. And as it tells us there in uh, verse 45, Everyone therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. If you say, I love the Father, and He's all important to me, and we've not come to Him, we've not trusted His Son, we've not come. He's not brought us. We have not done the commandment of God. The commandment of God is to believe on the Son whom He hath given. And here's the criteria. How do you hold to Him? What do you say about Him? What do you think about Him? Is it scriptural point by point? Or are you just believing some, something someone else fed you? Well, here it is, line by line, verse by verse. This is the change that God will make in human beings. They will no longer be asking, what must I do to be saved? They will be saying, He is all my salvation and He is all my hope. He's taking care of it. Verse 40, or 47, Verily I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Everlasting life is in the hands of the Lord Jesus. It's out of our hands. Thank God. My goodness, thank God. It's out of my hands. It's in His hands. He takes care of that wonderful, wonderful provision for us. Well, all of you that work hard enough and get uh, enough done, then you'll have everlasting life. That's the way it's taught. The Lord Jesus said, eternal life is in my control. I deal with that. Verse 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread which I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. 
The Lord Jesus shares with us in this verse of Scripture that the, the, the believe there must be a spiritual union with the Lord. Now, three times today, Nancy fixed me a meal. And you know what? That one time, those sauerkraut and, and those frankfurters, I, I have union with them. <laughs> That's what we do when we eat. We have union with this food. We have acted upon the food. It has become. We are in union with it. And that's what the Lord Jesus said here. He's not asking anybody to go through some ceremony and convert some bread and some wine to his body and to his flesh. He's saying, you must have a union with me. You must be grafted into me. You must have, you must have taken of me. This is what he's saying about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. You must have a union with me. He must be precious to you. He must be your life. He's sustenance, spiritually speaking. He must answer for you to the Father. He must have taken your sins to the grave. We must have this kind of union with him. He says in verses 53, verse 53 there, Verily I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. And the living Father. Now I don't understand all I know about what he's saying about here, but I know this. Those who do it dwelleth in me, and I in him. I have something here that I didn't have before. I don't understand all there is to know about eating his flesh. I'm learning about this union. But it is a union that he has made. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he, hath eaten. he that eateth me even, he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna, and are dead, but he that eateth this bread shall live forever. Verse 52, the Jews therefore strove among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? I don't believe what he's saying. And once you say, I don't believe what he's saying, you're saying, I haven't done the works of God. I haven't done his commandment. I haven't followed his commandment. His commandment. His commandment is to, what's it say? This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. And... Uh, Verse 41, the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? You know what happened? They don't have any miracle in their life yet. <laughs> They're just looking at him as a physical being. We know his parents. We know his brothers and sisters. We know he came from Nazareth. We know he's been tramping around through the community. But there's no miracle in it yet. And those on the other side, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 5,000 people. Now, down here in verse uh, 66... I really appreciate that when we were going through this. John 666. <laughs> From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. I've had people tell me they were saved, but they just didn't go along. I'm telling you today, these people did not have Christ. 
they went away unless God Almighty worked on them a work of grace. They are in the pit right now. They're on the left-hand side right now. They had their works, their works, but they didn't have the work of God. This work is God said, this is the work of God that you believe on Him whom He hath sent. And when that is worked, when that is done, then you have the right to the tree of life and you have the right to enter into the gates of the city. When this work is accomplished, as we travel down through here, they didn't believe. They said, it's not so. I don't go along with that. And you hear that today. If this is brought up, This chapter is brought up, and it is brought up to the point, here's what he said, and here's the points that you're going to agree with if you've had this. And they say, I don't believe it. Then that is the mark that they have never, ever heard the message. This is serious. This is life or death. This is the commandment of the Lord Jesus and then it tells us in verse 64, but, he, but there are some of you that believe not. Believe that the Lord is God. They did not believe that Jesus was God. Some of you believe not. Verse 64, uh, verse 65, and he said, Therefore I say unto you that no man can come to me. Oh, this is the clincher. If you can ever get to hear. Oh my goodness. If God has ever brought you to hear. If God has opened your heart and ever brought you here. I could not have come. Now that's something God has to show us. Because we're like these people. What can we do? Uh, we, we would really like to be a blessing to you Lord. And that's generally the way people are. We're going to be a blessing to you. I really appreciate what uh, Brother uh, David Pledger, someone said, they moved clear down there to Houston and they got Brother Pledger in his office and said, Brother Pledger, we've come here to help you out. And he says, I don't want out. I don't want out. How Most people, oh, I'm going to be a, such a blessing to you. Oh my goodness. Jesus Christ better be a blessing to us. That's it. Now, if that's happened, no man has to teach us to love each other. God does that. That's right in the book. I don't have to teach you to love one another. If you can't love one another, it's sure enough right here. You don't know. But if you do. All right. And then it says there, Therefore, I say unto you, no man can come to me except it were given of him of my father. Verse 66. They left. That's serious business. They left. And then the Lord asked His disciples those things. Asked the disciples, will you also go away? Now a belief in Christ, when that belief is wrought by the Holy Spirit in the soul, will be followed with all the blessed effects and fruits of doing Christ's commandments. If God has wrought a work in our heart, given us the new birth, then what follows is the fruit of that, and that is being able to keep the commandment of God. Believe Christ. 
if he's wrought a work, then we're able to say, I have belief given to me in Christ. And I agree with all this. This is so precious to me. It's eternal. It's eternally precious. All this life and all the word of God. All the word of God is precious to God's people because this is what it is. He changes to say, this is good. I know what I'd have been if I hadn't have been here. If he had not brought me here, I know what I'd be. But this is good. Oh, he has everlasting life. Good. I know what I am. I'd just fritter it away. I would take my investments and I'd throw them in the stock market. <laughs> Spiritual stock was wasted. Just wasted. That's what he's. I take care of everything beginning to end. And when I cause my people to believe me, then they believe me and I give them all of these things. Now, I had a couple of verses here. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Would you turn there with me? 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, might have the right to approach Christ. Come before him with gladness, approach his throne at peace and with great joy. Come before this one who is God Almighty. 1 John chapter 3. Would you turn there with me? 1 John chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. It says, And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. And He that keepeth His commandments dwelleth in Him, and He in Him. And hereby we know that He abideth in us by the Spirit which He hath given us. What's His commandment? This is His commandment. Believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. And what will be the effects of that? Oh, he says he's got eternal life. Okay. He says, we'll only come when he draws. Oh, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I know I was stuck in the mud. On and on, that list. Everywhere the Lord Jesus talks about his characteristics and attributes on the behalf of his people, God's people say, yay and amen. Yay and amen. Oh, yes. That's it. I've believed. Now, you want to know if you believed or not? That's how you check it out. Do I believe Him? Do I trust Him? Is He my bread? Is He my water? Is He my hope and my peace? Is He my election? Is He my, is he my all and in all? That's what the whole Bible talks about. Is He everything? When I stand before Him, what will I say to Him? What will I plead? Well, there's a whole bunch of people going to say, I did a whole bunch of good works. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. And the rest of them have said, I did nothing. I'm thankful that you came down and picked me out of the pit. And he says, welcome to the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. What a change he makes in his people. And I'd like to also read Mark chapter 12. Would you read there with me? Mark chapter 12. This is the same word for commandment that's mentioned over there. I remember when I was uh, trying to preach in religion. This was, this was a passage of scripture that just gave me fits. Because I realized I could not get this done. I would look up the words. Every word that is found in this verse of scripture. And it's also mentioned several times in the Old Testament. 
This is what you are required to do. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And I looked that word up, heart and soul and mind and spirit, and realized nobody can get this job done. Because if I skip one second, if I mess up one second, if I don't hold true one second, then there's I'm lost. Read here, Mark chapter, Mark chapter twelve, verse thirty and verse thirty-one. Uh, verse 29, And Jesus answered him, This, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandments greater than these. And you walk away and say, who can do that? Who can do that? Boy, I, I wouldn't trust anybody that said they could do that. I wouldn't trust. They're liars. They're just liars. I remember when school started next this next Tuesday and Every first day of class there in the woodshop, Wink gave me this idea. He used to do this when he was teaching. He would, uh, you'd ask him, now, is anybody in here, is anybody in here ever, ever told even a little lie? And they'd start looking around, looking around. I'd raise my hand. I have, I have. Well, if the teacher has, I can raise my hand. Okay. Everybody's raising their hand, and then says, "Is anybody in here ever, ever taken something even insignificant that didn't belong to you?" And they'd look around, and I'd say, "Uh, "I have." Oh, if the teacher has, I guess I can raise my hand. So they'd all raise their hand. I says, "Now listen here, you are in a class full of liars and thieves. Don't put your tools down. Someone's going to take it from you. That's the way we are." We're liars and thieves. Thank God for His everlasting, eternal grace and that He comes on His people in a way to cause them to believe. And when they do, there's no argument with what He has to say about Himself. You're the Son of God? All right. Been looking for this. He says, uh, there is, He is... uh, uh, John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everyone in the church just says, Hallelujah. Been looking for this. Been looking for this. Found all kinds of gods, but they just couldn't stand the test. And what they had to say to me is, Tread water, paddle water, paddle water, paddle water, more water, more water, paddle, 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 carry, carry, carry. And the Lord Jesus comes along and says, I'm going to send the rain. Sit down. I'm going to send the rain. Big difference. Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of the city. And outside, outside. All those guys that went away, you know what His comment on them was? All those guys that walked away, this is His comment. 
For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whoever loveth and maketh a lie. That's the guys that left. There they are. They've identified themselves. They do not want Christ. They're still in their sin, and this is the evidence of it. 